Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody, thank you for joining us this week as we dive further into the world of games. And this week we are going to be diving into the world of cons and festivals. Now, we actually, you know, our first blog post on our website was actually for the next fest from Steam. And while we were kind of perusing that and looking at what's coming up next, we found something really cool. We found the WASDA Fest that's coming up, and that's WASD for all you non-gamers who are not listening, because I know there's a couple. Um, But it actually pairs up with a con that's happening in London. It's WASDA Live, which is really, really interesting. The more we dug into it, it seemed to be showcasing some fantastic titles out there, not really focusing on AAA, but more focusing on indie games or early developers, small studios, even, I mean, the, the festival itself seems to have a major focus on like starting creators, which I think is fantastic. Like it reminds me of like the Makers Fest stuff and things like that, where it's just a celebration of creation. And I love that aspect so much. So I'm kind of excited to see what comes of this. But for everybody, the festival does start uh, from the 7th to the 9th. It is in London. So for everyone here in the States, probably won't be able to check it out. But I'm sure there's going to be some live stream footage of some of the talks. And actually, the talks sound really, really cool. And we will definitely be going into them a little bit later. But I think before we dive into what Wazda is, what games are available, maybe we should kind of give our first impressions on cons and things like that, at least where they are, where they're going, and then we can dive into this new style, I would say. So what's what's your initial take on the con or festival for games? Um, so I grew up being excited uh, about game conventions. I mean, really, all we had was E3 until probably, I don't know, eight years ago and we started getting others. I mean, there were other cons in other countries and stuff, but you know, E3 was basically for America. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up always enjoying it. I think I started paying attention to it. Maybe like early two thousands. Uh, did I really remember all the games being shown? No, but I was able to remember which games looked the flashiest you know, like, and that's what mattered to me. And for the longest time, I was always like, I want to go to E3. I want to go. And then once they opened it to the public, I was pushing myself to go. I was super excited. Then I saw how much it was. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll wait till next year to see what people will say about it. Cause it was the first year they opened it to the public. And a few of my friends were like, it was cool, but it just, it wasn't worth it. And I was bummed because it was like almost like a childhood dream to kind of go there. Mm -hmm. And then to hear it's not as amazing as you think, because as a civilian, you're not really getting to do all the fun hands-on and exploring like the, the secret projects that like, you know, media like news could like cover and stuff like that yeah you need a press pass for that 
Yeah. And it, I don't know. It was still always fun knowing that in the summertime we were going to get a bunch of cool game announcements. And then in the past couple of years, it, it went a route that I didn't really like. And that was basically just cinematic trailers with no gameplay. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of advertisement too. Well, kind of. It was more so like, here's a flashy trailer, but then let me advertise like the platform it's going to be on, which is understandable. But when that's like the only platform being shown, it's like they need their own convention for just that platform. And I mean, that's why we had Sony break away from E3 first because they realized they could just make their own kind of their own showcase. And I mean, I think when Sony did that, that's when we started seeing like bigger companies breaking away from E3, mm-hmm. which I think also kind of changed uh, game conventions at least because when Sony did that, I know Microsoft wasn't too far from it as well. And, you know, then we started getting Summer Game Fest, which is Keeley's version of E3. And I know he is excited that E3 is gone because now there's really no competition with his version of E3. And to an extent, I do like Summer Game Fest because it focuses more on, you know, showing the game, possibly interviewing the developer. And after the show, they usually have, you know, like how Nintendo has a treehouse event, like you kind of can watch them play the game and stuff and it feels a little more hands-on the only problem i have with it which is also another problem with the game awards which is also his project it's a lot of advertisement Mm -hmm. it's a lot of in your face like here is it when our like the game awards arcane came out right and there was so many like things thrown in there about arcane and don't get me wrong i really enjoyed arcane it was a cool show but it was like here three artists from the show oh here's you know in between like random uh video premieres it was like here is the soundtrack to arcane and it's like it's cool you know but why are you showing it so much during this? Like yeah, you can really tell that Riot like paid to be the main advertisers, right? Like so. Yeah, and I feel like before that, like during the Game Fest, we saw a lot of like uh what do you call it? Uh like the epic launcher, like epic games kind of stuff, which I get, you know, these games are gonna push their exclusives, but it's like I don't know, it just got annoying. And uh, so, I mean, I'm always hyped for game conventions and festivals because it is fun to see new games and it's fun to see it with, you know, thousands of other people. Like, I think that was the main reason why I love these conventions is, you know, jumping on Twitch, watching it with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of other viewers at the same time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like just all talking crap on the games or, you know, being excited. Like, it's just it's fun to experience that. And I actually really enjoy doing that. And, uh, but something I've gotten really into recently, I'm starting to 
just keep talking about this, but I'm really enjoying the smaller ones like Next mm-hmm. Fest and stuff because even though it's just a little like indie showcase, you know, on Steam, I love it. Like it, it does for me what I wanted E3 to do for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like showing the hands on demos that I can actually download and play. You know, they have their little developer like talks or they have the developer playing the game, talking to chat at the same time. And it's just, it feels like a friendly experience. And I mean, you know, we're not going to see any AAA games during Next Fest, but it's awesome that there's a showcase for these indie titles that you never know. They could be the next Hollow Knight. They could be the next Stardew Valley. Like, it's fun seeing these games start off. And since we did that first Next Fest video and blog posts and everything about it, it made me even more interested in indie games than I already was. But now I actually try to keep up to date with it. Like what's coming out this week that might be cool. And it's whenever there's a next fest, I'm like, Oh, I need to at least download 10 demos and I try them out. And Mm -hmm. this is fun and exciting. And I wish that there were more of these little fests, I guess, throughout the year. And I mean, there kind of is, but you don't really hear about it because a lot of them happen in different parts of the world. And I mean, there's no English, so it's kind of hard to enjoy it. But mm-hmm. same time, it's just cool seeing new games. And if it means I get to see more game play and less like advertisements, like I'm all stoked for it. Yeah. Well, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel the same exact way. The, the With E3 and stuff like that, it became very flashy, right? It was massive game tra- or trailers that actually didn't show real gameplay. It was all mm-hmm. cinema, right? And there is a lot of announced titles just because they found out that, oh, their competitor is also going to be announcing something, so let's rush a trailer out. You know, like there's a lot of that where it's a big competition the entire time, and it lost that like personal touch to the players themselves where like you said you had to be either invited you had to be part of press to play these things or you had to wait in line for hours to play a demo for like five minutes right whereas these smaller festivals and with them pairing up with steam it's allowing everybody no matter where you are whether you got in or you know got a ticket or didn't to still play these games and i think that's fantastic and i think it's a great idea that steam is doing to pair up with these smaller indie festivals so like with this one like we will see on steam it'll be showcased all of the playable games that are in the the was live they'll be available on steam for us to play as well as demos which is really really cool right mm-hmm. and the fact that they're showcasing all these indie games it really brings it back to like that old school feeling of a con right like maybe this is what e3 originally felt like but i know it was like uh, the first time i went to comic con you could just walk in right and then now with san diego comic con you have to become part of a lottery to get a ticket in order to Mm -hmm. maybe maybe get in right like it's too like elitist now and i feel it really takes away the spirit of it because regardless of what we say or how much money is going into this stuff, we're just playing games, right? And we're showcasing makers and we're appreciating makers. And 
with E3 and the bigger cons, they focus so much on the AAA titles and don't really give the attention needed to the indie guys, right? And the same thing happened in San Diego Comic-Con as well. Like Creators Alley used to be like half of the event. And it was so cool to see all these artists who are just in the area, who just got a table, showcase their work. And now we don't really have, like it's shrinking and shrinking to just bring in more stuff from like the CW or things that don't even make sense, right, for the con itself. And I felt like we were starting to see that with E3 too. It just became a superstar event. It wasn't like an event for gamers and makers. And I think that's what's great about uh, or why I'm really excited for this next, the Wazda Live, because it really does feel like it's something for makers. And it's you can see it in the events that are available, even in the categories of the games that are going to be available for it. They even they invented a new category of games and are showcasing these titles. It's a few titles, but they're calling them curios, like curiosity games, right? And it's a the way that they word it, I think, is fantastic. So it's games that sit outside the mainstream. Right. These are the games that are kind of pushing the edge. They're the games that are pushing the art form of game design rather than just being another AAA, like, you know, like another PUBG clone or whatever it may be, like a cash grab. Like you can tell that these are actually passion projects. And the fact that they're called Curios just kind of, you know, made me more excited about them because they are a little weird. But you can say they are like the abstract art of games right it's pushing that side of the envelope it might not be pushing mechanics in an exciting new way but it's pushing storytelling and theme in a very interesting way so i'm really really excited about that and another thing that really caught my eye with this event that i think is great and we need more like yes all events and cons have talks but a lot of them are just here's a panel with you know, some voice actors or just some actors of something that has nothing to do with what you're actually there to see, right? Whereas these talks actually feel like they hold some weight behind them. Now they have some talks about how to actually get a job in the game industry, which is fantastic. How to properly set up a portfolio, like actually useful things for these startup makers. And then they also have talks about like one of them I thought was great was uh, it's called sustainability and can the game industry keep growing without destroying the planet? And so it's talking about like how much impact game design actually puts on our planet, how much resources are going into that. And is it actually a sustainable thing? And I started thinking about this too, because at work, I deal with Legos a lot. And I just recently found out that Legos are no longer going to be made out of plastic by 2025. Like, that's their ultimate goal. What are they going to do with them? Well, they're actually playing around with the idea of, like, hemp fiber or, like, Hmm. plant-based materials that still hold structure but can be biodegradable if, you know, they get left out in landfills or things like that. Something a little bit less impactful on the environment itself. So I was like, oh, that's pretty amazing, right? And then maybe we can bring that into games too, like the consoles themselves and all the things that we have. And with the resources being so difficult to acquire now, like if anyone's trying to build a PC, good luck, right? It's going to be really expensive right now. It like it just kind of drives home more that we need to find alternatives. And I really love the fact that this is this is not a talk that you would see at E3, right? 
This is not a talk you mm-hmm. would see at a mainstream thing, but it is a very important topic to discuss. So it's really cool to see it here. And then a couple other ones that really caught my eye were um, trends in game development. There's two different talks that they're going to be doing. Um, One is on nostalgia and the other one's on relaxation. And we've talked a lot about nostalgia in this channel um, just because it's what, you know, it's where our frame of reference is. And it's the games we like. We love retro games because you got to see where you came from to know where you're going, right? And then, but the idea of relaxation in games is such a new concept and an interesting one that I'm actually really excited to see what some of the designers themselves are saying about relaxation games. And I'm curious as to what they can do to maybe benefit us as people and players, right? We can't be at that constant high, you know, that the climax of your max heart rate, everything going crazy all the time, you need that downtime to actually get excited again about something, right? So I'm curious of how relaxation games play on the ebb and flow to keep people playing, but also maybe contribute to enjoyment and other things too. So it's really, really cool. And then of course, like I mentioned earlier, they do have a lot of things on career advice. Um, and they even have segments where you can actually showcase your own work, which I think is fantastic. Like this, everything about this seems really cool. And like I said, this is what I would expect of a gaming convention. Like you will have your games showcased, like some of your big titles. And if you look at the list, there are some big titles, some older games, but then you have a lot of indie games out there that are changing the way we think about gameplay. And they are definitely going to be the pioneers in the future of like how we change genres and how we evolve games themselves. So it's, I'm really excited for this festival. I'm thinking about those biodegradable Legos, right? And I'm thinking about Legoland. <laughs> they change it all to biodegradable and the rain hits. There will be no more Legoland. The one time it rains in California. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Call it the real flood. Destroy the whole city. Speaking of Legos, actually one of the games that's showcased in the event is a new Lego game. And it's not one of the ones we would expect, right? Usually when we think Lego games, we think movie properties, stuff like that. But this Lego game is actually an adventure game, which looks really cool. It's called Brick Tales. And it, I don't know, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm actually pretty excited about it because it looks like I like the way it's laid out. It's kind of that like diorama feel to it, right? So and you can make and craft. It looks like you're on some islands and you're exploring something, but it looks really, really cool. And it looks like a nice departure from um, like the other Lego games out there. So I'm actually kind of excited about it because it even has like a like a building area, right? Where like you'll have the pieces mm-hmm. laid out and you can like build out something. And it reminds me of like all the Lego CAD software that I've been playing with because they actually have Lego CAD now, <laughs> which is really cool for all you 3D mm. designers. You can actually get all your pieces, put things together, see how things move, and then create um, step-by-step instructions to print out for other people to enjoy, which I'm loving because I do 
robotics classes using Legos as the main source of creation, right? So being able to actually use a CAD software and design something for the kids is going to be really fun in the future. So I'm really excited for this title. It's interesting you bring this up because I remember you telling me about this title and I was like, hmm. And then yesterday I saw the trailer for it and I was like, oh, this looks cool. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, shit, that's the game Christian told me about. But the thing I really like about this one is just, I mean, the graphics look phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish the actual Lego games that we can play right now look this good yeah but uh so much cleaner than the the movie ones right you can tell that mm -hmm. they just pump those movies and ones out as fast as possible they're not really focusing on the look of it this one actually looks like lego took its time like this looks it, like lego actually wanted to make a game like a real game so yeah like i mean my heart's still set on the skywalker saga when it comes out i think this next week or whatever but I think I might get this game, too, just because, you know, it, there's two things I like about this, right? Legos are freaking expensive, mm -hmm. you know? That Titanic one, $800, come on. Oh, you know, and actually like, great news, too, about them changing the material. They're projecting that it's going to lower the cost of all Legos by a minimum of 20%, if not more. So, And see, that's awesome, because that was the other reason. You wouldn't be wasting plastic. So this game, it's like you get your building in, and you get your little easy story you know like this looks like a relaxing puzzle game that scratches that itch for people that like lego too which when you get down to it anyone that's into building i feel like there's only one out of ten who would say they don't like lego yeah. oh and actually before we move on to or i gotta cut in here a uh, big shout out to the podcast feels like the first time if you guys haven't heard that podcast, it's fantastic. Um, they're both film uh, creators, and it's just a really great concept behind it. But actually, we were talking to them recently, and their favorite games are Lego games. So if you guys are listening, check this game out. It's going to be good. And I think you guys are going to really love this one. So go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in there for them. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm excited. I mean, I always like Lego games. Uh I wish they had online co-op, but I mean, that's that's an argument for a different time. But this game, there was a game on the phone, a Lego game, wasn't there? That was yeah. also kind of a puzzle game. Yeah, it was that actually was really good, cool too. too. Yeah, it reminds me of that. Like this, the phone one seemed like a tech demo for this game. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. But yeah. Actually, I think leading up to that, another game that really caught my eye, and I kind of want to dive into the curios um mm, theme mm -hmm. a little bit um one of them was quantum pi i have to talk oh, about this one God. okay and okay yeah chris is moaning and groaning over there because he knows i have to so <laughs> here's the brief little synopsis of the game that they put on steam so quantum pi solve murders flirt badly maybe discover a wormhole to another universe also you're a cat so <laughs> you're in a world that is, it's modern day world. Everything is like actual buildings, things like that. But you're a cat detective that's going through this area. Um, everyone's very humanoid, human bodies, but they have animal faces. And you're trying to solve a, a murder, right? And it's really cool. But it kind of feels like it 
dips into that like HP Lovecraftian kind of wormhole weird psychosis model as well, which I'm really excited about. And then the art style of it is very interesting. So it kind of reminds me of like found footage almost, but Mm. it's very grainy black and white. And when you're moving, you can see the head bob. So it's all um, POV shot as well from the main character. But it looks like you found like it kind of reminds me of um, Archive 88 almost right. Like when they were Mm. looking through all the old beat up footage and seeing that and like having the story unravel that way. So that's kind of like your viewpoint from this title. And it's going to be really, really cool to check out. The demo is available right now. So I'm, I'm probably going to pick it up, actually. I kind of want to check it out, too. Because I, when you first brought it up, I was like, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like a U game. And then I actually looked at like the trailer and I was like, this looks kind of cool. Like it, the the graphics remind me of kind of like how some indie games are doing it nowadays, like More Done or um, Tale of the Oberden, where it's that like filter on it, and the filter on this just looks damn good. Mm-hmm. Like it just fits the mood. Yeah, I really like the cow lady. Oh she's yeah, kind of it's a cute model. Yeah, and the deer lady too. She's cool. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff in that one. So I'm really excited to see over that. But like, that's just one of the really cool titles that you can see showcased in this event. And it will be playable at in London. And then you'll, we also have the demos now available because of this event where we can all play it. And like, that's, this is a title that you would not see showcased, right? Like if you go to your mm-hmm. E3s, it's not going to pop up there. It doesn't make enough money. It doesn't have a wide enough audience or enough buzz around it to be popular, right? But it's great to be able to appreciate some of these weirder games. And there's definitely quite a few weird games in this list, to be honest. But I love the fact that they have their own entire, you know, category, the Curios category. It's really cool. It's interesting because a couple of these games in this Curios section I've heard more about than some of their other games that they're showcasing. Um like Gibbon, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Gibbon, yeah, uh, Gibbon on the trees. Yeah. I feel like that was in the Switch Direct or a Nintendo Direct. I swear it was. It was on one of the bigger platforms. Uh, well, it's also they a, had a trailer for an, it. Uh, Apple Arcade game now too. That's what I was gonna say. It's exclusive to it right now, I think. Um, and then it's coming out on consoles later. And I was thinking, well, I still have my Apple Arcade for some reason. Maybe I'll check it out. Is it? I love platformers, and it looks really cute. Yeah, you know. And the Gibbons are cool, man. I don't know if you've ever seen the Gibbons at the San Diego State or San Diego Zoo. Like, still never been to the zoo. Really? We live yeah. here, man. <laughs> I, I don't even go to the beach, man. I just, I just yeah, stay in my room. The all beach day. is different. The zoo is something else. Come on. Yeah, I, I need to go. But the Gibbons are really cool because um, the male and the female have a very distinguished color difference. So I think that's kind of what they're going for with this one. It's like a co-op platformer that you can do. So it, it looks yeah. really cool, but it's not like platform like you would expect. It's I mean, the Gibbons are known for hanging and swinging from trees, right? That's how they move around is from limb to limb. They have very right. long front limbs, if you guys haven't seen a Gibbon, so that they can reach from tree to tree and move from branch to branch. So that's how you traverse through the stage. And it, the graphics seem really simple. The colors are really nice. It seems like a really, I guess, like almost peaceful game to kind of play around with. One more uh, from the Curio section that I was really interested in. It's a game called Birth. Mm. 
and I love the art style. It's uh, you're the artist. You you would know like what kind of art that is. Like I'm having a hard time kind of like explaining it. Muted colors, like yeah. a lot of brown, gray. It's very like color adult coloring book art. Right. There you go. Yes, that's exactly it. Wow, it's like spot on. Yeah, it's it really does look like it. It's very clean lines, very clean distinguishing objects, very 2D, but like so much going on. There's a lot going on in this. And it's like a weird puzzle game. There's a lot. It's 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 apparently an adventure puzzle game about constructing a creature from spare bones and organs found around the city. In order to quell your loneliness. Looks like it's a lot of physics-based puzzles, which, I mean, I get down with that, you know? It it looks kind of cool. Like, it's... I've been slowly getting into puzzle games again lately after not liking them for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, I don't know, this just looks cute, like, in a morbid way, and I love it. Yeah, I I am excited for that one. It's going to be really interesting. And... Yeah, I don't know. There, this event has so many like interesting art forms, right? For the way that they're presenting their games, like every game seems to be so different as far as the presentation value of it. And mm-hmm. one of the games that we've talked about in the past, I don't know if we actually talked about it on the show, but I know me and you have talked about it, um, is the Cult of the Lamb. Oh, yeah. That game looks amazing. Obviously, it's from Devolver. Devolver always puts out fantastic titles. Like, they are one of the top publishers in my mind, especially for Mm -hmm. indie or different or interesting. And Cult of the Lamb just looks so good. Um, If if you guys have not seen the artwork for or just seen any trailers, you have to check this game out. And so the... The premise behind it or the synopsis of the game is uh, start your own cult in a land of false prophets, venturing out into diverse and mysterious regions, build a loyal community of woodland worshippers, and spread your word to become the one true cult. And you are literally a lamb, (laughs) adorable little (laughs) lamb, and you're uh, encountering, you know, all kinds of woodland creatures, cats, squirrels, birds, all that. And the ones you're fighting are more like like once again hp lovecraft style i mean it's colts right so it kind of has to be hp lovecraft so like you have Mm -hmm. your like your mutated spiders and weird creatures like that but the actual gameplay itself looks so cool because it it kind of reminds me of like papercraft almost where it's it's i guess you can say it's like don't starve but better looking right where Mm -hmm. don't starve brighter yeah exactly like it's very bright, very clear. Everything's like clear of what's going on. But like the the main stage, you can tell it's just like a platform you're walking on. The the assets are sitting up, but they're very two D. But they all have movement to it. It's very interesting. It's like pop up bookie, and it's it looks really really cool. Like it, this game's gonna be so much fun when it comes out. I can already tell. Yeah, I remember seeing this trailer. I think at Summer Game Fest, and I was very. At first, I didn't really care for it because I just wasn't paying attention. But then when I rewatched the trailer, I was like, this could be good mm-hmm. in a Binding of Isaac kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the vibe I was getting from it a little bit. And I'm I'm very interested. And I'm just surprised it hasn't come out yet because I feel like 
It's been it talked was about something that was announced a while ago. Yeah. And actually, this is not the only cult game that is on the list from Wazda Live. <laughs> There's actually um, <laughs> Honey, I Joined a Cult, which did come out last year, um, but they are doing more and more updates, and it is part of the showcase event, so we won't go too far into it, because it's, you know, people have been playing it for a little while. But it's just... It's like Prison Architect. Yeah, it's basically that, but you're designing a cult. And the fun thing about it is that you get to name all the cult people. You get to design your cult leader. You can design the like the icon that they are praying to. Uh, you name everything. So you could be like cult of the cheeseburgers or whatever you want to be, right? Or like sussy cult for all the 10-year-old kids out there that say sus every five seconds. Trust me, they do. I teach them. So, yes. <laughs> and it's very funny. Like, it's just very comical, very lighthearted. But I think it's funny that this is not the... It seems like there's a few games on here that kind of have that culty HP Lovecraft kind of style to them, which is apparently really popular in, um, you know, indie games. It's just something simple to do. Oh, yeah. It's an easy story, at least. Um, for me, I found the game on here that it's, it's been out for a little bit, not super long, but I never knew it existed. Um, and this game is freaking crazy. Okay. Like after playing Elden Ring for so long, I needed a game that I could just like lose my mind and go crazy. Mm -hmm. And I found that in this game called post void mm -hmm. and you know, you can imagine this is a first person shooter that's like on acid and they just did like a bunch of coke and they're just like going crazy. Okay. Like the game is fast paced. It's nuts. And I love it. <laughs> like when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be me because it's really fast paced. Like I love my boomer shooters and stuff, but this game is like Doom Eternal on another level, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was developed by YCJY Games, which made another game I really enjoyed called Sea Salt. Uh, very beautiful pixel art game as well. Very darkish, which is completely opposite of this game. But this one's interesting. It's... Uh, like I said, it's very bright, very flashy with a lot of flashing lights. And the camera is a little quick, which I feel like some people might get kind of sick by it because it is really fast. But basically, you're thrown into this room and you have a skull in your left hand, right? And it's draining this liquid and uh, that liquid's your health. So basically, you have to run from one side of the stage to the next killing enemies to regain your health hmm. but if you get hit by these enemies you know it'll drain the liquid faster and i would say i feel like you have maybe <laughs> without killing anything maybe five ten seconds to get to the other side of the stage which isn't enough like you have to shoot enemies um and this game is just so fast dude like you're you're running right and you're just like like shooting the enemies and at first the first stage is easy like you can easily one shot them with the head like it's simple mm -hmm. next stage you start getting these little runny guys and it's like a totally different game almost like you're it takes two shots or so they're running so fast you can't do your one shot 
So you're, you're slowing down. And then that's when I started seeing the little counter pop up and I'm like, uh Oh, I got to go faster. Mm. Between each stage, you get upgrades. And the first time I went, I was like, Oh, I'll do a shotgun. This will make it easy. And it kind of did. It made it so I just had to do a one tap and I was, it was really simple until I got to stage five. And it's like even crazier enemies that you can't really even hit, but you have to hit in order to survive. And it's just, it's very interesting. And I don't know if there's any other guns that are not a pistol, SMG, or a shotgun Mm -hmm. because I haven't made it super far in the game. Uh, Stage five is out of 11, and I'm kind of scared how anything beyond five is because it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, the music is really cool and it's got this like very like noise rock kind of sound to it. Very like aggressive and energized. And it's just, it's a game that I didn't expect to play Mm. nor really see on this list. But game's only $3. I mean, you can't really go wrong for $3. And if anyone here got the Ukraine bundle on Humble, uh, like last week or so, because I know a lot of people did, uh, it's actually in that bundle as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, this game, it's it's really fun. It's really different. And I like it. You know, it's it's not meant to be the next big game, but for a game under $5, it probably will be one of my ones I'd recommend more than a lot of other games that are under that price, because this game seems like they did a lot of work for a game that's so cheap, and I really admire that. It definitely looks like something that, like, John Romero would have made. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it looks like that kind of art style, like that gritty, gory, like just over the top, like heavy metal, like everything kind of game. Definitely really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. Actually, another game that um, kind of drew my eye because of that same weird, like really weird art style at first. And then I was like, why does this game remind me of something? And um, I can't remember the artist, but I know you will know the artist. Um, he did the Uzumaki um, Japanese horror stuff. Oh, Junji Ito. Junji Ito. Yeah, this game reminds me of like a Junji Ito thing. Um, and that's uh, Mothman 1966. Oh, yeah. I kept seeing Like that. it definitely gives me that vibe of some of like the those games in that style because they, they do have a lot of those kind of horror games. And I know that you've talked about a couple of them before. Um, I can't remember the titles off the top of my head, but like they, they definitely feel like that. And this is a choose your own adventure, like visual novel, like, you know, choices matter kind of game. But it's it feels very, I guess, like almost retro vintage style, at least with the coloring choices, because it has like eight. Yeah, almost. it's like eight bit. And it, it did that thing where, you know, a lot of older systems only had the ability to maybe showcase two colors two maybe three at a time. And it mm-hmm. does that with the way that it presents the film or the game itself. So everything is very it's greens, blues and blacks. And then it uses red as like the punch pop color. So that it really, really pops that way. But it's it's all, you know, visual novel, kind of interesting title. It's, it looks really, really cool. I'm curious to see, like, what comes of it. It's very, like, early PC, like, Amiga Commodore kind of thing. Yeah. Like, 
this is something you would expect to see on old like point and click games in the 80s it's i love this art style a lot even though like you would see me struggle to play one of those games nowadays because i'm like i need to see more but seeing like still images or just watching it be played out like i love that old pixel look Mm -hmm. where it like looks realistic but it's you know pixel Mm -hmm. art like it's just oh i love it i forgot about that title yeah there's actually a lot of really good like pixel or like vintage graphic kind of games coming out in this fest and that seems Mm -hmm. to be very popular coming or coming up right like you mentioned to you that a lot of developers are uh kind of leaning more towards like playstation one graphics again um mm-hmm. as the way that they showcase their stuff and actually another one of uh, the games in here that really reminds me of the playstation one era but it seems at least a lot more in depth than what we could have gotten back then is uh shadows of doubt right that, that game it's mm. it's i would almost say like the world itself is like pixel but then the characters and the models that you interact with are voxel so it's a very strange like it looks a little trippy when you're actually like looking at it because the whole world is voxel but it's done in a way that looks almost pixel graphic which is very strange and it's kind of jarring in some scenes like seeing the difference between like the characters in the background Uh, but it, it does look really really cool and like shadow of doubt is a detective stealth game so, and it's a sci-fi noir, right? So who doesn't love a good sci-fi noir story? I think they're fantastic. I mean, come on, Blade Runner, one of the greatest movies ever. And this seems to have a lot of those like very decrepit city, always raining, kind of dark, a lot of neon lights uh, and that kind of stuff. So I'm actually very curious to see what comes of this game. Yeah, the game looks really cool. Like you, when you told me about it, uh, earlier i was like i didn't know i needed a detective noir game but i do now like it's i really like the style of it and i'm not a big voxel person like i typically don't like that style but this game it's just i don't know it works i think it's the juxtaposition of like the almost pixel graphic background right Mm -hmm. whereas like if you look at some of their voxel games like uh like there's been quite a few of them now like when you look at the buildings or the background of the terrain it's just voxel right but the way that they created the world around you it looks like it would be pixel graphics the only things that you can tell are obviously voxeled out or like the characters themselves because they're like walking 3d pixel graphics right so it is very mm-hmm. kind of trippy to see that because of the sh- the shading that happens that way it, to me voxel graphics always come off with like a weird shading value on them where there's like shadows that don't need to be there so it's kind of hard to see what's going on but it's nice to see that the background is nice and flat to give you the sense of space and to actually be able to see where you are in the world so i think they did something really interesting with that one that's different Mm -hmm. um there's like a bunch of other games I would love to talk about here. Um, real quickly, Two Point Campus. I can't wait for that. Um, because mm-hmm. I love Two Point Hospital, you know, so I'm a sucker for those <laughs> kind of building games. Uh, the game I talked about before, Terra Nil, mm-hmm. was is here too, yeah. which is awesome. And I'm 
very happy it's being talked about. It, it seems like the kind of that game definitely needs to be praised. Like that, the amount of work that's going into it, and just the the message behind it, the way it's presented, everything about it is fantastic. It being published by Devolver means that it'll get it'll get the attention mm-hmm. you know it needs. Like it's gonna be it'll be pushed out there, and it's from the people that are bro for. So I mean, it's. It'll be noticed, which I'm happy. I really, really love that game a lot, and I want to see it succeed. <laughs> uh, one, oh, okay, the last one I'll talk about, because this one I didn't know I wanted to play until I randomly stumbled on it. The Last Hero of Nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Nostalgia. Um. Well, it's Gaia. Is it? Oh, it yeah. is Gaia. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not that stupid. Um, <laughs> it's it's <late>. it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, basically, imagine Dark Souls meets like Stanley Par- oh, well, Stanley Parable, or I guess you could maybe say Portal kind of humor. It's kind of like Dark Souls, but a comedy. Mm-hmm. I guess you could say you. Uh, start out your character as just lines, right? Like pixel lines. Um, this is a 3D game, by the way. And basically, you're just a a stick figure when you first make your character. And apparently, as you level up and advance, you start gaining polygons or body parts, I guess you could say, to go over your little lines. And uh, eventually, over time, you fully get skin you know you become like a actual looking human being which it reminds <laughs> me of a evil it's land a little bit yeah like it, it's goofy and i don't know i really want to play this like i at first i was like this looks like it might be kind of dumb and then i'm like oh my god i think i do need this like it it looks like a simpler dark souls but at the same time, like it's just, it looks like that goofy view of it that we need after all the Elden Ring talk. Yeah, so seriously. I'm here for it. Definitely need something a lot simpler. But yeah, like we said, there's a lot of really cool, interesting titles that are being presented in this. And we've only touched on quite a couple of them, right? Like, I mean, real quick, just to run through some really interesting ones that catch our eye. Like, I mean, Hard West 2 looks really fun. Nice little tactics game. Uh, we mm-hmm. have, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember, Core Keepers on here, which is great. Um, that's already out, so you can play it now. But it just looks like a fantastic game. Great to be showcased. A guidebook of Babel has another really great art story behind it. Um, I mean, Inua, Story of Ice and Time, a game we've talked about in the past, is on here too. Uh, Limo is a game that came out a few years ago, but it's being showcased again because it just looks absolutely gorgeous. Like, there's so many different titles on here of every kind of genre. They even have uh, another game coming out. It's called uh, Ruth's Journey, and it definitely looks like the next Firewatch. So, if you're a Firewatch fan, like this is this looks hmm. like the one, like the next Firewatch for sure. So, it's a walking simulator, female protagonist. You take photos of the world around you, but I don't know. It looks really, really cool. And this is just a couple of them. I mean, another one that follows into like old school graphics, Dread Delusion, and the list goes on, man. Like there's 
there's a lot. So be on the lookout for this next festival coming up. Like we said, it is going to be from the 7th to the 9th of April. It's being housed in London, but check it out on Steam because they're going to have all these games available and they're showcasing all of them now for you to check out uh, and just get excited for whenever it does get released. It's, oh gosh, there's so much here. And I love the diversity of style of game that we have right now. Like there's so many different styles out there and they all look so cool. And they're definitely pushing the medium forward. And I think I found a new like genre of game and that's the Curios games. Like I love that category. It's so much fun. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and join us again next week as we dive further into the world of games. Bye. Bye.